Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. Welcome to Season 7, where we will continue to delve into the world of coaching, learning and development. My guests are going to present their key learnings from a piece of content of their choosing, and we then discuss its application. I'll now hand over to them to introduce themselves. Yeah, I'm Dan Howells. I'm a strength and conditioning coach who's moved into a personal development space. Uh, I work with a number of coaches at the moment from a mentorship and personal development point of view, uh, as well as some consulting work to uh, rugby teams across the world. So I'm, uh, my name is Josh Fletcher. Uh, I always like to say a little bit about myself before I say what I do. I'm a, I come from a large family. So I've got a two-year-old who's, uh, well, I suppose he's two and a half now because he keeps getting older, doesn't he? He's absolute carnage. He's running around trashing everything at the moment. So I call him Bam Bam. He's, uh, he's great. I move around. I live in Lyon in France. I've had a weird and wonderful career path, which has kind of led me from, uh, you know, pro rugby, uh, pro, pro, uh, pro football, Olympics, special forces, through to Formula 2, Formula 3 racing now with a company called Hinta. So... A little bit all over the place right now my business interests are within performance practitioner well-being a sports coach and performance practitioner well-being and essentially my goal really is to create skills tools and resources for sports coaches and performance practitioners to take control of their well-being and I, i've created this because our well-being and the collective hour is uh, often an afterthought our self-care is uh, generally a by a sideline really and and we tend to prioritize other people because we're in a very giving space uh trade i suppose we we give a lot of our time and energy to other people and don't often leave enough for ourselves so that's uh that's where i'm i'm angling and my mission is really to to give skills tools and resources to to practitioners to provide solutions Fantastic. Guys, really excited to have you both on. Um, I know you've been doing some awesome work in this space, so we'll get kind of stuck into it straight away. Um, career periodization. I, anyone that follows either of you on uh, social media will see you guys talk about this a huge amount. So do one of you want to just give us, I guess, a bit of a rundown of how you arrived at this? You know, what is it? How it's come about? What What's the kind of, uh, what's the aim? Yeah, I'll just start and then I'll, I'll let Josh explain. It's his original ideation as such, um, but it resonated with me because we both were seeing this in, diff in different experiences. So career periodization, basically taking the, the application of what we do with our athletes, we think about prioritizing their training and thinking about the, the long game in mind and realizing that we can't do all things at once because we'll achieve nothing is careful planning, periodization and prioritization of elements of training. Yet we don't take the same care and attention to our own careers as such. And from my perspective and an observation perspective of, of practitioners and coaches who do really well and accelerate their learning, accelerate their progression through an industry tend to 
do this quite well. They understand where their gaps are. They understand what they need to do to improve themselves, to make themselves more employable and more effective as a practitioner. And um, yeah, th this is something I've observed, but in terms of us coming together, Josh brought this idea to the table based on his experience, which I'm sure he'll share in a moment. And we've tried to create a framework and a guide because I think luckily enough, I've always been in a situation where I've had good people before me. It, it just, just so happens that I've had good line managers who've helped me organize these thoughts, but there's plenty, potentially a, 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 you know, an abnormal percentage of people who are out there on their own, you know, doing things on their own without a guide and support. And so we've tried to provide a product uh, that will help guide people through a process of periodizing their personal development, basically, and periodizing their career. Um, but Josh, you should probably talk about how you've lived it. Yeah, the, the, the different angles that we come from is this is something that I did on the first day that I had maybe decided that I wanted to become an SNC coach. So the why behind it was all about designing and creating a career path that I wanted for myself. And everything that's happened for me in my career has been intentional. It's been, I've created this by design. It's not by chance. So working across five countries, working with the groups of people that I have is all by design. It's, there's no chance involved. There's no, for me, there's no luck. It was what I've created. And I created, I didn't know what I was doing when I did it 15 plus years ago. I wrote down on a piece of paper in the middle of an A4 sheet that I'd flipped on its side and I drew a line down the middle. And on that line, I did little checkpoints above and below the line of things that I needed and, and targets and goals that I had. And then I put dates next to them. And that was my start point. That was the beginning of a, of a macro cycle plan for me. And I only did it up to a five year mark because I didn't want to plan any further than that ahead. All I ever wanted to do at that point was be a strength and conditioning coach on the south coast of France. Notice mainly Toulon was my chosen club. They don't, they don't know this yet, but that was my chosen club back then. And as, as I kind of grew and I evolved, I, everything was focused on that, on that, on that. And I wrote down on this piece of paper what my professional goals were, so where I wanted to work, three companies that I wanted to work for. I also, which was English Institute of Sport, Exos and Hinza. Needless to say, none of those were too long. So even then I had that kind of understanding that I wouldn't always stay in rugby. And I've actually hit every single one of those goals. And the only difference between a dream and uh, reality is action. So the actions would, is what career periodization is for me. So what I would do is I would get, I would print out job specs and I must've had a stack this big of jobs that were five years down the line and then achievable within one year, achievable within three years. I'd then get a red pen and a green pen and I'd circle the things I had and didn't have. Obviously there was a lot of red on that big stack of uh, performance director kind of roles, um, performance manager roles. There was a lot of, there was a lot of red pen on those. And then I would go about looking at what the of the green circled items. So core competencies, what, can I turn into a super strength? And then I'd put a little cross next to that. And what could I, what could I then work on from my reds? I put the red, the, the red circled items into a long list. And of that long list, what's the priority right now? What's a priority in quarter one? And then how am I going to achieve that? So what's the goal and the action? 
and then quarter two, quarter three, quarter four. So without really know, knowing what I was doing, I was I was already starting to map out my my career and my pathway. I was I was a lone ranger um, pretty much the whole way through my career, and I never really had any sort of structured mentoring, which is my biggest strength and my biggest weakness, in all honesty. Now I have a lot of collaborations that I'm working with people. For me, these guys are my mentors now and, and help me to really move forward and um, progress. So I sh- we, had, we did a webinar last night and I shared a few stats with people about my pathway. Um, and what this, these stats do is help everybody listening to kind of conceptualize how career periodization can make you really focus on an outcome, but the process is what will make the difference. So in, in my career, I, I, during COVID, I wrote down, I did some digging into my, um, my Google Drive and my hard drives that I have. I've, I've applied for 256 jobs as a performance coach, strength and conditioning coach. I had 138 responses. All the rest of them custom-pied me. So I think, that, I think that's around 40, 45% maybe. I've had around 19 interviews. I think maybe this has gone up since then. I had in nine different countries and I had seven offers and I've been made redundant or shit can binned off three times. So these are things that I don't know what other people's stats are, but I was very intentional about everything I did because I created that professional awareness. We talk about self-awareness, but I talk about professional awareness, knowing where I am on my path, knowing where I want to get to, not necessarily knowing the outcome goal, because on day one, I didn't know that I would work with in India with special forces in Romania or in motorsport, but I was intentional and I was proactive about my approach to it. So that's my lived experience of career periodization. Fantastic. I, the, the, the stats are fascinating because I guess, and I think my first observation or of this when I, I saw you guys start to put it out was, Periodization makes a heck of a lot of sense if you are, I guess, from a conditioning perspective, you can, can you can control a lot of the variables. So my initial thought of this, and, and I guess maybe the challenge for, for you guys to, and I think your, your stats have started to explain that a little bit, Josh, is how how is this not just planning a career where you're not in control of actually the interviews you get the paper sifts you get through the jobs you get offered etc 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 because for me that i think the language is great but it also probably just leans us towards what we think periodization is quite normally so, so how is that slightly different because there obviously josh you said you know 40 odd percent follow through on applications to interviews etc etc like if, if we really think about careers, there's so little other than our skill set and our intent that we can actually do for ourselves. Like we are always relying on somebody else to get us through the sift and then to interview us and to offer us the job and, and everything else. And, and what we do with that job is obviously within our control, but how would you guys see the, the nuance element and the bit you aren't in control of within this kind of process or program as, as you guys are kind of running it at the moment? You know, I'll just jump in there and say that when we look at athletic performance, where we know the term periodization is more commonplace, there's plenty in that world that is out of an athlete's control at the competition end. And the competition end is the interview end, right? Or the, the shortlisting end, you know, how does your CV stack up? Because you could be the best you've ever been and still not make a final 100 meter sprint, for example. So really, this is about 
a growth mindset to put yourself in the best position possible and not not let the the race itself i.e the interview be the first time you realize you are significantly behind the field and so what we're trying to do is bring to the forefront of focus of, of practitioners is where is it i am at and where is it i want to be but change the focus from where I want to be and start thinking about where do I want to be next? What is my next step? So I gave a story in the webinar last night about somebody asking me a different question of what do you want to do next? Not what do you want to do in your career? Because everyone had asked me that. So I went to an aspirational answer. I want to work for Toulouse, like you know, Josh mentioned, or I want to work for the British Lions. Well, there's tons of steps before that as there are in preparation to be an Olympic gold medal finalist across four years so really we're saying you've got to um take the blinkers off as josh uses the terminology to to change the lens that we look through and change perspective of the things that you can take control of so that you can increase your chances of success and the way we're doing that is to provide a framework you you have core competencies for example so that's employment and experience industry specific skills communication uh, networking um, and what was the other one Josh remind me number five professional reading and professional reading focus yeah so for if for example the the jobs that you're seeing that you want and you've, you you would love to be in and the position you want to be in the short term in the next 12 months require a certificate a level one coaching award okay or a strength conditioning award well that that's a prerequisite you're going to have to go get that so you should prioritize your development in that way so that comes into your quarter one plan that josh talked about and actually some of the sexiest stuff we see online that we flashing lights type type of things that we want to be drawn towards like a magpie actually need to be moved to the bottom of the pile or moved to quarter four and that's where i think the, we're influenced quite quite a lot these days i think in with the world of social social media and actually we're just trying to create a bit of order for people's decision-making processes and we do that by a personal needs analysis so again still using the sport concept we would look at demands of the sport how do we create a gap analysis between the individual athlete and where they need to be to compete at that level it's the same in our development and we provide a framework in the in the manual that we've created for people to guide their thoughts and decisions and, and almost mark themselves against a criterion-based uh, reflection tool. It's, it's a really interesting one, Phil, because I've, I've certainly had that question before. And the, the answer that I always give is that there's an incredible, incredible amount that you can do to build your own path. You're the captain of your ship. And as Dan said, in every single section, if I was to say to you, oh, you can't control that much about a rugby match, you would go, oh, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. We can do this, 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 this. And you could list off a thousand things. That's exactly what me and Dan can do because we've put together a process and the process isn't so that I can go and get a job at Toulon. The process is so that I can take my blinkers off, realize what I can control, create my gap analysis, fill my gaps, plug my gaps, at which point along that pathway, opportunities will present themselves because of the skill set I have. Not only that, but along that pathway, I will be networking. People will know, like, and trust me. And people will then begin to approach me for opportunities because they will know that I'm the person that can help them solve their problems. So all of these things move towards a, a greater performance. The other thing is that Dan mentioned is 
you look at a quadrennial plan like an Olympic cycle, Olympic plan, having sat in multiple meetings, and I know Dan's done this as well, when we sit down and we build that big plan, the big rocks go in first. The big rocks are the, the things, the competitions. That's the first things that will go in normally. Then we'll then further down will be next things like the physical qualities and the focus areas, general prep uh, competition specific, those types of things. That's macro, meso, and then we get down to micro. Micro being your daily actions, one lift, one session, one set, one rep, these types of things. Exactly the same for our career. What's the goal? what's the action attached to that the goal is to get more experience the action is to go and knock on the door of the local gymnastics club and say can i come and support your athletes for x amount of time per week document that write it down what did i learn next section goal implement what i learn action two times per week i will practice or be coached in gymnastics based movements to improve my core competencies on xyz so here's the intention that we're putting towards it and making everything that we're doing quite deliberate i, I think you've answered both you know both of you have answered that fantastically well so i appreciate that thank you mentioned gap idea a couple of times so do you want to maybe just kind of talk through the process of that i know josh you talked about you know the stack of cvs and just working out where things were like how for people that maybe aren't particularly self-aware and, and self-awareness is a is a huge range, right? Like how how would you guys approach working with somebody that maybe overestimates where they are or drastically underestimates where they are? Like, because that's that's not a simple process, is it? It's it's not just a case of here's what the you know the industry says I need and, and here's where I think I am. Like what what are the nuances and the detail around those types of actions and those types of conversations from your experience? I think there's, yeah, shall I go first? I think there's a couple of aspects to this. There's the self-awareness piece. How There's also how you express to others and, and how you come off to others in the perception and how it's the Instagram expectation versus reality, right? So from that perspective, it is always vital to get feedback. So one of the biggest parts of all competencies is a networking one, which we both appreciate is an undervalued resource for individuals and that's not a case of I increase the number of people in my black book that's who can I draw upon to help me move to places faster how can, who can I draw upon to help me get to the resolutions that I seek faster and within that intention you'll then get a great number of people who not only know you but understand what you're capable of that that's that's one thing in terms of aligning expectation and reality is that those people can help you understand if you're on the right path um, if you have a certain amount of distance to go with your skills still. The next is, is success leaves clues, right? So if, if job applications are asking for a certain level of um, qualification and you're applying for that job with blind faith that you, you'll get shortlisted when you haven't got that credential or that you're enrolled in it but you haven't completed it, it it's odds on that if it came down to two CVs with and without that credential, then they're going to take the one with because it's been listed in their essential criteria. That's the gap. It's, it can be as simple as that. And I, I honestly think that some practitioners out there are being naive to that a little bit. They're, everyone's looking for the, the easiest way to get there, unfortunately. I have had the question numerous times, do I really need my UKCA accreditation? 
the equivalent of in the rugby world of do I really need a level one coaching badge or such? It, it's not only is it great for your development, it also shows you're applied and growth orientated to be better and be a better coach <coughs> trying to drive your development. So we, yeah, the gap analysis side of things, we provide a, a framework. It's not an exhaustive list at all at, at, in the world of SNC to show that, you know, as a, you know, a zero to two year type of practitioner, you'll need your fundamental underpinning degree and accreditation and first aid. But as you move towards your 10 plus year of career stage and you're trying to look at performance impact um, consulting type roles, then there might be a leadership and management qualification in there that, that, that might be required. So it's a reference point to give people a, a lens upon which to look through about future careers and what future requirements might be. Um, Josh, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I want to stick with the phrase that I've coined, uh, professional awareness. So we talk about self-awareness, and that's a big, a big buzz phrase that, not buzz phrase, but it's an important phrase. I've got a mosquito trying to eat me. Uh, it's important for us to understand what professional awareness means. For me, that's three key things. It's where am I right now on my pathway? And where are my gaps? And do I know what I don't know? And if we can answer those three questions, then we're a damn sight further down the path to being able to understand where my prioritization needs to be and then gain the support to be able to plug those gaps. So essentially, if you imagine it like a sieve, like you're draining some pasta or something, when we start, we're, we're full of holes, we're full of gaps. There's a lot of things we don't know and bit by bit, we need to plug those and fill them in. But there will come a point where we're going to need some support in order to do that. And that's where our network, that's where mentors are absolutely essential. And that's where being professionally aware is, is fundamentally important as well, regardless of your industry. As, as a rugby coach, as a, as a football coach, as a strength and conditioning coach, nutritionist or physiotherapist, it really doesn't matter. These principles are transferable. Sorry, just scribbling down loads of notes. This is great. Um, how, I mean, Josh, I know we've spoken about this before when you've been on, but how do you guys, I guess, support or manage or interact with the people or what's your best advice for people that maybe get caught up, which I think most people still do, and it's, and it's very hard not to, that there's endpoints, that we arrive at, I've, I've made it now. This is, you know, I will be happy when I get, my Toulon job or when I get my X job or when I have X amount of money, like how, how would you guys go about guiding people to understand that it isn't that end point? There is never an end point. It is constantly a journey of progression and development. And obviously, you know, hopefully we're going to love what we do along the way, but I feel like that this may have that opportunity for some people to fall into that trap of going, this, this will get me where I want to be and then I'll be happy. So how, how might you kind of deal with, deal with that challenge? Yeah, it's number one would be values. So create and make your decision in, in line with who you are as a person, not just a professional. So Dan talks about professional needs and wants and personal needs and wants. So making your decisions in line and informed by something. So, your mood, your motivation changes with the wind, changes more than I change my pants. And what's really, really important is that you have some bumpers at the bowling alley, which are guiding you towards good decisions that you're going to be happy and proud of in one, three, five years time. 
you don't know where you're going to be in one three one three years time i certainly was not in the same place one year ago as i am now and certainly five years ago i've traveled in three different lived in three different countries since then so you don't know where you're going to be but you want to be able to set yourself up for success and and for me you will be able to do that if you make decisions based on things which are fundamentally important to you as a person and you have an awareness of the different stages and phases of your career so for, for me and for dan i think we we categorize these into four stages <clears throat> we have a breaker who's the a type of person who's just trying to get into the industry they're looking for that first step on the ladder they're possibly an intern they're probably quite willing to work for free or for very little they're willing to move up and down the country or to move countries just for an opportunity they're prioritizing their they're prioritizing their professional opportunities and professional experience over their social life and, and they're happy to do that typically around that age of you know 21 to 23 24 something around that mark maybe a little bit lower these are these are ca general categories from there you'll move into what we're calling a survivor that's that person that's trying to go up that slippery slope and, and find that next rung on the ladder that's the person that's around that sort of 23 22 23 mark through to 24 25 they're still probably if they worked out the hourly rate they're probably working for peanuts uh, they're willing to move around for one or two extra thousand pounds they are prioritizing work over their social life again and they're desperately pushing to create more experience and opportunities for themselves we then kind of move into the thriver range and that thriver is a person who's uh, probably around that 24 25 age up to can be up to 35 you can sit into this category for quite a long time if you choose to normally managing heading up a department or multiple projects starting to realize that the industry is not all that it can be a little bit fickle can chew you up and spit you out and they're wanting a little bit more autonomy possibly looking into creating something on their own uh, understanding and frustrated about uh, some of the lack of sustainability the lack of security in the industry possibly looking at a family and realizing that they want to create a better work-life balance for themselves and then you move into the final category really which is the redefiner and the redefiner is the person who is probably around that 32 33 34 35 mark upwards who's saying do you know what i want to do something on my own i've got aspirations and projects i want to attack i'm not able to do that in a full-time employed role i don't like the fact I, I want more autonomy over my time i want more autonomy over my income i want more sustainability and they're looking at creating opportunities for themselves they're also much more likely to have a family and be in a slightly different stage in their life and when we break things down and categorize them in that sense we can start to see okay this is loosely where i fit what is it i need to do to get to the next stage and am i going to be thinking in the same way in five years time as i am right now the answer is no okay what is it I can do to set myself up for success in three, five years time that might not come about right now. It might not come about in a year or two years, but it will in five, 10 years time. That as an example, what is precisely what I did when I took my blinkers off and moved to India, I created a whole host of opportunities for myself that I never could have imagined. I never could have dreamed of. And the skills 
and the tools that I picked up in that period of time have allowed me to excel in, in uh, roles that have come after that. So that's that's something that we, we heavily talk about in, in this framework and this manual as well, because we need people to have that professional awareness of where you are, because that is going to support you in, in filling your gaps and make you a lot calmer about your end process, your end goal. You're making those decisions, regardless of whether it's Toulon or it's, you know, you know, Accrington Stanley, it doesn't matter. It's it's creating the the professional pathway for yourself by doing so in line with some some key known known quantities or known entities. I really like that. I, I really certainly the, the the four stages I definitely can empathize with and I think a lot of people probably would would be the same. So um there's some great Where are you still? um good question. I don't know. I, th I think I'd probably flick between Thriver and Redefiner. Like I'm pretty fortunate that I have that stability, but I'm also regularly in a position, even something like this podcast, I would say is a bit of a, like a redefining thing for me. It just opens up loads of possibilities, the network that comes from it, the discussions I have, I, I can do a lot of stuff in like my own time because I guess I've kind of put together like two or three different part-time roles and that's just about to change, you know, probably moving into a full-time role and then trying to do the other stuff. So it, it probably jumps a little bit in between some of that. But I, I would definitely say I've largely had lots of autonomy in what I'm able to do and where I'm able to kind of place my time, which I've always valued massively. Because, I mean, that's always whenever, you know, I meet strangers or new people or whatever, and it's, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm incredibly lucky that my hobby is my job. So I, I never feel like I'm working because I love what I do. And, and as we talked about before, like there's huge downsides to that because from an identity perspective, I think you can slip into that. This is all I am. And, and my, a big thing for me, probably, I don't know, like five, six years ago was actually just trying to find some other hobbies. So I, I kind of, I, I'd always like photography, but I really kind of focused on, I want to have something that is not related to sport and certainly not related to rugby that I can just do, that I can invest some time in, that I can learn, that I can spend, you know, go off and, and spend a day out and not, oh yeah, I'll go to the rugby with my mates. It's like, no, 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 I'm just, I want something that's completely different to my environment. Um, and then, yeah, all the other bits that you just do for fun because you love it and you're not you're not about being paid for it do you know what I mean it's, it's the guest session here or there or it's the, the 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 online chat with people or anything like that I think is just you you get as you guys said earlier like you get so much more back from that just by giving your time and, and I would guess it's it's probably very similar in the the mentoring work you guys are doing now that you're going to learn an absolute ton from the Dan, how many is it you've got now? Like 60-odd people on the mentoring program? Yeah, 70 at the minute. A few guys are finishing programs soon. But, um, yeah, very rewarding, um, but also very time-consuming, which, you know, it's, it's a day, it's a day and a half a week. And and that what, what I'm hearing when I'm here, you talk there, is that you've got good clarity on what's important to you. And and uh, coming back to Josh's point about the breaker, you know, we, you know, he does a really good job of, talking through the emotions that come through those phases and but those emotions often get associated with like lack of control like i'm in this phase and i don't have control over it and therefore the grind is making me feel like i'm working all hours under the sun but 
there's plenty of other people in those phases doing the same sort of work with not those emotions because they're moving at a faster rate it's not sticking with them for that long because they're they're doing a lot of the stuff that we're talking about um and so for me that i've seen that original experience of mentoring and reaching out to help people develop into a business and therefore my needs and wants change over time and and yeah it's, it's, it's been great to be a part of um but i'm clear on what i want to drive myself forward in the next to, to the next phase of my career and what i enjoy um and what i'm willing to do and what i'm not willing to do You're listening to a Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. This is part of the rugbycoachweekly.net website. If you click on the rugbycoachweekly.net link, you will find out more about this podcast, but also find access to over 3,000 pieces of content covering drills, activities, games, coaching advice, and lots more to help you and your team with your rugby and your rugby coach. So why not pop over to rugbycoachweekly.net to find out more and access all this amazing content. In the meantime, back to the podcast. Because you just described me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was quite clear that I was in different phases and stages. I, I've never defined these until the last year or two, really. But I was, I was pushing and I would look at the people in the next category up and I would see, I wouldn't look with envy and jealousy. I would look with aspiration. I would look with um, desire to be there. And then I would alter my, um, my way and my mentality towards pushing and striving towards that. So I never felt stuck. I never felt like I was working my ass off and I never felt a lot of those things. But that was, I think I was the exception and not the rule. So what we're potentially doing here is by pinpointing and defining these phases, we're allowing people to see that there is a next section and step. And if we can flip that on its head and take the mentality that I did somehow and say, okay, that's what I want to do. Not well is me. Jesus is really hard. This sucks. It's how do I get there? Mm. How can I achieve that? I like what this person's doing. I really respect what they're doing. Firstly, I'm going to tell them that I love what they're doing. I respect them for what they're doing. And thank you. That's the first thing that I'm going to do. And the second thing is, how do I get there? What's my plan to get from, from where I am to where they are and all the type of things that they have? And, and that's what the, the, I did with my phases and stages, I suppose. The difference to what we've done now is we've just pinpointed it. Yeah. Uh, the, the last thing that I wanted to mention as well is something that, Dan had put this onto me really. Um, and it, it's gold. It's gold because we often fit in multiple categories. As you said, Phil, that's why I asked you the question, where are you? Because I'm pretty sure that as someone who's growth minded, Dan would never say he's in one section or category. I would never say I was with in one section or category, nor would you, or nor have you. That's because if you imagine this as a pie chart, then those shift. So imagine there's two categories. You said you're a redefiner and a thriver. And those are shifting. Sometimes you're going to move more towards one and other times you're going to have 50-50 or 40-60, whatever it might be. Right now, I'm a redefiner and a breaker. I'm a redefiner because I'm chasing my own path, my own dreams, my own, uh, my own 
pathway to be as I want it to be. So I'm redefining and setting my own trail. But I'm also setting up a business times when I feel absolutely bloody clueless. And I don't have a clue how to do some of the entrepreneurial side of things. So I'm learning, 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 maybe just moving into the early survivor range. So it's like a pie chart or a graphic equalizer in the old school radios, uh, the old school stereos. It's an easy way to look at it. You're not fixed in one category. You, you can be in multiple areas. I think there's some brilliant points in there. And, and Dan, I just jumped back to your one around that understanding of what you're not willing to do. And I, I think that's a pretty seminal moment. And, and so I, can, I can only talk from my experience, but I, again, I would generalize this. I think a lot of people would probably have that light bulb moment where they're kind of then just going, no, actually now I'm not, I'm, I can learn to say no. I'm genuinely willing to be uh, happy and content with either what I've got or there's enough self-awareness and all the other things that go with that to go, that's not the opportunity for me. Um, yeah. and, and my my personal example for this, and because I don't think you ever get taught this, and, and I remember like I was the career. Say, I was just going to bring up a point about how this is why I did what what I did with the mentorship was because I felt that these real world skills of being able to say no, for example, is one of the main boundaries that you can create that stop you feeling the emotions that we talked about in the breakup, but still stay in the breakup. Face because you can control the hours you're working if you just have a simple conversation. But sorry, buddy. Yeah, go on. What no, no, no. It? Yeah, no. I was just going to say oh, that the, the eye opener for me was um, I went for a, I had a job, good job, enjoyed it, saw another opportunity, and thought I'll apply for it. Got an interview, and just got vibes in the interview. I was like, this isn't the environment for me, and this isn't the job for me. Yeah. And then got offered it, <laughs> and it was the yeah. most awkward phone call because they're like, we'd like to offer you the job, and I'm like, oh. And I was just like, shit, I don't know what to say here. I was like, um, yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, you know, need to get back to you. And a day and a half later, I rang him. I said, I'm really sorry. Like, I, I've just realised this isn't for me. And you don't need to be really sorry is the first thing, right? No, no, not at all. But I, I guess I did feel like, you know, you are, I'm not, I'm not letting them down, but I did feel like that. But it was also that case of, he was like, oh, that probably explains your reaction when I offered you the job because I just couldn't yeah. hide that. I was like, shit, actually, I yeah. didn't want this. And that's the first time because until that point, every job I'd always gone for, I was desperate to get and I'd have done anything to get it. And then it, it was just, and, and nobody at any stage of my career had said, by the way, at some point, like you might go for a job or you might get offered a job and actually turn it down. Like that, that just is never in the learnings you have, even from school. You always just go from this one job to the next job to the next job to the next job. But it was, it was this bizarre moment. I was just like, no, oh, actually, no, this is, this is about me. Like, what, why would I go and do something where I don't think I'm going to be as happy yeah. as I am now? Like, it was just, it was bizarre. But we just, yeah. we just started the recent six month soft skills mentorship again and the first session is on understanding what a professional and personal philosophy is and we talk about philosophy well actually you need to separate it because each new job you go into is a different purpose therefore it should have different values and different behaviors whereas your personal might stay quite true throughout life to understand the next level of decision making is your needs and wants right and understanding that like i need to be i need to have access to my family on weekends if that's a personal need and, and the job doesn't satisfy that need, even though it helps 
satisfy the professional need of working with elite athletes, well, there's a conflict there. You can't please everything and, and you're only doing yourself a disservice. And I've done that in the last group cohort of coaches I work with. And there's one or two, I think two individuals have been through one, if not two situations each where they've both been offered jobs and they've turned them down because they don't satisfy their needs and wants, which to some people will sound crazy in the competitive industry we're in. But to me, I'm like, that. that's amazing because you'll, the one job that does land for you, you'll know it's 100% right. And I think you, you illustrate a great point that we shouldn't just be jumping into a job because the industry is competitive because then we get into the space that Josh is passionate about in terms of practitioner well-being. You know, we talk about the employer's responsibility, but we have a huge responsibility to ourselves as well. Um, so it's fascinating you've been through that because I've, I've not necessarily li lived, I have lived that as well, but I've also, we do a, 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 a se section in the program around interviewing the interviewers and you've got to understand if the job is right for you. And, um, you know, if you're not asking all those questions, you actually lose an opportunity to create a reference point. You know, like numerous people have told me they've been interviewed, they got the job, they've gone into the job. It's not what the job was described as. Or and I talked to them, I said, well, how did they describe it? He said, well, it's just what I assumed from the way they were talking. I said, well, they haven't described anything to you then. It's within their, you know, you've just got two different perspectives for the same uh, same situation so actually flipping that on its head and say hey can you tell me more about the expected hours or the days of delivery can you be more specific about that oh no it's it's we'd know more once you start the job i'm sorry i can't commit then because i need some clarity now to to, to decide on what i'm going to do whether i move my family whether i have to get childcare, etc um and those are all skills like you say that just are not or approaches that are just not taught in any way shape or form these days in the industry specific routes that we we go through i heard this uh, really cool phrase the other day and i've started coining it it's not mine uh it's from uh, richard husseini which i think maybe both you guys know if not phil it'd be a great guest for you i think you might have been on already though um the healthy no so it's it's the no which is for you it creates better well-being for you it will help to keep you level, keep you sound, keep you solid and keep you keep, maintain your equilibrium. You can't always, and you don't ever have to feel guilty about that. You don't have to, like you said, I'm really sorry, but it's going to be a no. I'm not sorry, actually. I'm not sorry at all. I'm just, it's going to be a no for these reasons. And the, the healthy no is so hard. It's really difficult for people to say, no, I struggle. I'm pretty sure Dan struggles. We do struggle. And it's, it's about creating barriers. And one thing that Dan was talking about there is um, that jumped off the page at me was sustainability. We want sustainability in our careers and we will never get sustainability in a job in our careers until we make our decisions in line with our values. And if you don't know what your values are, then you need to really dig down and, and figure those out. And some of my work, which I actually think is a bit of a prequel for this career periodization manual that we've got, I, is the triple f manual i created with john noonan so that's family fulfillment and finance and it's fundamentally make it's fundamentally a, a, a product which is based on supporting you as a practitioner to make career-based decisions that you're going to be happy with in one three five years time so that you know that you're 
prioritizing the right things, that you are creating a pathway for yourself that you will be able to look back on and say, that was the right decision, not shit, what have I done? It's going to support you in asking the right questions of yourself, of your environment, and of the, the people that you want to go and work for. Um, it, it is really, really important in my career. I've made good decisions and poor decisions, but every single good decision I've ever made has been because I've made it in line with my values. Every single poor decision of a professional decision I've ever made has been because I was chasing a logo, a badge, an extra thousand pounds, a promotion, a pay rise, grass is greener. Uh, and that's, that's what I see when I look back over 15 years I've been, I've been doing this for. When it's a values-based decision, it's always been it's always come off. And I think, I guess it comes back to that ability to compromise, doesn't it? As you say, you, you might just go, yeah, for 12 months, I'm going to do something because I just need the money. But you know, there's going to be a sacrifice in that and you're willing to make that sacrifice. And as I said, I guess it's the, the awareness and the willingness to be upfront and honest with yourself around your rationale for doing it rather than, than lying to yourself, which I think we probably all do far easier than we'd like to admit you know, convince ourselves that we're doing things for the the right reason when actually it's probably something else leading that leading that decision making process. But let's let's bolt on to the end of that field that if you're going to do something for a period of time that you have buy-in and clarity with the people in your environment and they support you 100 percent in that and that you are critically aware that if you're pushing in this area, this one might drop. Yeah. And you can't push in every area because then you'll get diminishing returns. But you have to have that real clarity on that. And, and also, always for me personally, and, and something I'm learning very acutely at the moment, is if you drop that family ball, that family ball could be you know, made of glass. You don't want to drop that. If you drop the job, that's a bouncy ball. That will come back in some way, shape, or form. Finance will come back in some way, shape, or form if you're educated about how to manage the most effectively but your family ball and your, your personal well-being can be like glass so you want to be really cautious with with dropping that you might juggle it and then you might like whoop, 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 but you certainly don't want to be dropping it no i like that it's a nice little metaphor um how do you guys see and and this it might be less so in i guess the kind of the conditioning performance support industry but it's certainly prevalent in coaching where i I would say there's probably less of a pathway, um, but lots and lots and lots of professionals. And, and this kind of sparked a debate with the uh, Jack Wilshire, I think, just got appointed to the Arsenal under 18 coaching job. And there was a load of, load of tweets, as, as there tends to be with stuff. And it just it brings it up. And I think it's it probably links quite well around a um, load of people saying, actually, you know, who were all the younger coaches, maybe more qualified, maybe more experienced coaches that could have applied for that job and and i say this in ignorance it, there might have been an application process they might have applied they might have not got it i've got no idea my suggestion would probably be or guess would probably be that he was appointed rather than you know it was given to him um how, how do you guys find that in your industry and what's your kind of perspective of that and i can think of a couple of i guess ex-pros that have gone in as strength and conditioning coaches at international levels and that type of stuff like how is that seen within the industry do you guys think that's a good thing uh, positives negatives like what's the general general consensus for you guys on that i mean from my perspective never been bothered by it 
because I've only been focused on putting myself in the best position. Like, but I have got a lot of people, you know, come across my path who have complained about it. And I think that tells me something about them more than the situation. Um, and yeah, it, it's, we have to be real, right? On the, the other side of, of the human side of, um, of life is that not everything is chaotic. It's not uniform in nature and rules are not um, consistent across the, every decision that's made. And we are natural, you know, human behavior, is, natural human behavior is to go with sometimes gut instincts and trust and rapport to because it's going to increase the likelihood of success. So those situations tend to come about because somebody has trust in somebody's ability. That, that's not always the case, but it is a, a real factor. And it just comes back to this situation of what are you doing to put yourself in the best position, um, both strategically in terms of, you know, who is your network? Who is your support network? Who can help open doors for you? Who can help get you to a destination faster? But also, what are you doing for yourself to make yourself the best practitioner that you can be? And trying to dodge the coaching awards to see if I can still get that job because it's going to cost me a bit of money is not is not going to get you there. It's not a, a, a trait that you see in the successful individuals. Um, so, yeah, so it's just a, a situation that, it's going to happen and you can't avoid it but what what can you do to give yourself the best shot um and and i probably speak with a bias in the fact that i've never been necessarily undone by a situation like that either where others have and so of course individuals that have been lost opportunities because of those situations um i can empathize with sure um but i'm thinking about myself more than the things i can't control in that situation but for me, um, when I was applying for roles and I would hear about somebody getting a job who was an ex-pro, it used to drive me absolutely bonkers. But then I would do exactly what Dan said and say, well, how is me wasting my time and energy worrying about some ex-pro getting a job going to support me and my development? Well, it's not. So it would just be like someone parking and shit in a, in a parking bay, like what an idiot. And then I'll just crack on. Uh, what good does it do for me to, to worry about that? There's the reality, there is a reality of the situation. Interestingly, the, the military, um, special forces, especially the vast majority of coaches that they employ for the human performance programs are non-military. In fact, they do not like to have military. And the reason for that is the years that those guys have been serving, I've been studying. I've been coaching, so I'm a damn sight better coach than them when it actually comes to coaching. They're a better soldier than me because I've never done any soldiering. But if they have a 15-year career and then they get into strength and conditioning, you should really, after 15 years, be a better strength and conditioning coach than they will be after their one, two years of study, whatever they've done. But we make a lot of assumptions with these people. We don't know that... that insert name of ex-pro we don't know that they haven't been studying we don't know what Walsh has been doing for how many years how many years he's been coaching he could have been coaching the whole way through his academy life he could have been doing that but we don't know we make assumptions oh god ex-pro gets a job well maybe he's got more coaching hours than you under your belt 
what do you think about that? Maybe he's got more badges than you have. Maybe he's done everything he's needed to do. And he's been earmarked for that position because he has ticked every single box and been coaching as part of that academy from the minute he joined Arsenal. We don't know this. So that's, that's some of the things that I would say to myself in that run-up. So, yeah, it's, it's just a waste of energy and effort to think about other people's careers, really. I think they're great points. I, I get quite nauseous about this. I've, I've just <laughs> finished writing my master's dissertation on the transition of like ex-professional players into professional coaching. And, and I, it, it, it's just fascinating in as much as I think, as you guys have said, yeah, you can definitely waste time being jealous or envious or, or just, yeah, just letting it bug you. But in the same sense, I also think from a, professional perspective it's just a really interesting nuance that we have within sport where capital or credibility or credence or whatever you can profile whatever you want to call it is really valuable and is is still probably more valuable than and 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 i think a lot of people counteracted the Wiltshire thing by saying he has been coaching for a number of years and everything else but i there are probably clear examples where people have come in with zero coaching experience but they've got a name and they've got that credibility and and actually what what that means for the quality of the industry and maybe just how depressing that is for all these people because you you honestly could you could do everything you guys are talking about you could you could tick every box but if you don't have x professional next to your name you are probably never going to have even you could be one of the the next best up and coming whatever coaches are you ever going to have the profile needed to make that jump into the environment where an ex-pro will just be offered it and then and I, I I've, I've wrestled with this loads in terms of when I talk about it because I don't I think it probably used to be a little bit of jealousy oh, I'd, loved, I'd have loved to have had that job. I'm never going to get it because so-and-so is an ex-pro. And, and now I think it's understanding the nuance and the context and everything else, but also just how frustrating that can be for people with ambition to, to just never have the same opportunity. And as you said, like, like not, life's not fair. People need to get over that and not expect it. But it's, it is also that balance of, well, what could you do to overcome that? Because maybe this is what these people are searching for. What, what could I do that would actually still get me the job ahead of that person? And I'm not sure there is an answer because credibility is so powerful. I, I do think we also look through one lens that gives us gratification that we're the hard done by. Yeah. <laughs> like there's tons of examples of people that we won't know of who are in championship football who haven't played. Like I went into Major League Baseball having never swung a bat or thrown a pitch to this day. Which brings me to the point that jobs are not fair game, unfortunately. Jobs are, are advertised in a, you know, a, a way that is meant to be fair. But essentially, a job is, is an environment trying to solve a problem. That's what a job is. And, and the odds of you being the exact fit for that, unfortunately, are always quite slim. But what are you doing to take control of that? Um, and I would argue that there's, there's tons of, of people that out there in the coaching world, for example, who've, who've not got professional experience and they've just worked damn hard. The thing that has helped them get there has been some of what we talked about today with career periodization is that I need to get these UEFA badges done 
as soon as possible because that's going to create not only learning but it's going to connect me to people who are going to trust me a bit more they're going to see what i'm capable of we're going to put myself out there and that's what i think we tend to do is is not look at the gap between uh where i am and where i want to be as just i want to be there but what are the things i can do to fill the gaps and uh, it's 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 tough isn't it i think it's always going to be there and media is going to promote things in certain ways and leave every a ton of information to assumption as well for, for me i just see that the way you kind of describe that feel as a bit of a i'm not saying this is you but i see that as a victim mentality i see that as a person who that's happening to that's inflicted upon me we chose to be in this field if you don't understand you don't know that you're going to come up against people who have got a lot less experience and they're going to jump above you in the line just because of their name, then that's a lack of professional awareness from you. So we need to be aware of everything that our industry can throw at us and accept that and move on. If you don't like it, then change it. If you can't change it, accept it. If you can't accept it, then build your exit strategy and, and pop off because it's not always a smooth ride. What I would say, let's flip that victim mentality and let's turn that into, a, I think there's fighters and victims. Let's, let's reframe that. I'm up against this ex-pro. Okay, what are my non-negotiables that I need in order to get a job? X qualification, X amount of experience, um, X knowledge. Okay, great. What are my unfair advantages that are going to help me to push above certain people in the line and drive me forward and separate me from the crowd. Networking, okay. Things like networking, things like the quality of the experience, things like providing clarity in your interview process and your application process, fine tuning your application so someone reads it and goes, wow, he's going top 10. He's gonna be interviewed, boom, straight away. These are your unfair advantages and people are so tied up in moaning and bitching. You look at social media and it's crazy. Drives me absolutely potty. Don't moan and bitch, just sort it out. Take control of your own path. You're the captain of your ship. And if you crash your ship, that's your own damn fault. And it's, it's the reality of the situation. There is so many things you could do that will help you to move to the top of the pile. And if you don't get to the top of the pile, then guess what? You And you do get to interview and you interview against said ex-pro. People will be wowed by your interview. They will keep your name on record. You will ask for feedback. They will give you feedback. And they will also set you up with opportunities with other people in the area because X-Pro was always going to get that job. But you were a really close second because of all these reasons, bang, 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 bang. Therefore, I've heard of a job about from here. Would you be interested in that? That's how this game works, I believe. You... You've got him emotionally riled up there, but uh, <laughs> you poke the bear. It drives it does, me actually bonkers. Poke the bear, Phil. Done it. It does. It does bring back to the the original point and what what we've done together, which is the the taking control really, and the the fact that there are. You know, Phil. I'd say if you've been a relatively not a lone ranger, you've had people around you, but you've been a coach that's progressed through without necessarily line management or coach development, unless you've sought it for yourself. And that is a reality in, in our industries, across, across the industries, where there is a very small percentage of opportunity where you're in part of a really great organization that has personal development, uh, practitioner wellbeing, all, all in, encompassing within their journey for the employee. 
so we, we recognize that as a bit of a gap in the market as such and that people need to take control a little bit but how can they do that so that that's why career periodization was themed in order to um just increase the odds of employability really uh, we put up a slide last night we don't know what that ratio is of one to one job to how many people apply and um, what can we do to change those odds for ourselves basically I would genuinely, certainly from experience within, I guess, sports development and coaching and such things, the, the numbers I hear are staggering. It's, it's hundreds. Mm. I mean, you are having to sift through genuinely hundreds of, of applications for one one role, which is like, yeah, how do you make yourself? I will, I will say the industry, my bugbear gets me, is the, is the competitive salary element. I just can't get over how people can't just put a wage on because that would sort a lot of problems out for people. That's my, that would send me potty if we started talking about that. But it's huge numbers, as you say. Um, yeah. What can you do to change your yourself? Yeah. We've run out of time because I, I would like to poke you as well, Dan, and, and you know, set you off on one, but I won't. So um, I, this has been classed. Like, I, I, yeah, I think it is, it's such an important area and I, I honestly can't, you know, either thank you or, or support you guys enough in the work you're doing because um you know credit you for all of that because i think it is it is absolutely vital and you're clearly having a massive impact on the people you're working with so if if people are listening to this and they're wondering how how can they find you how can they get in touch how can they get involved etc cetera, etc cetera, like where where and how yeah so what, what i'll just say just to round off i guess is that Career periodization is a process and, and it's based on principles and it's a framework that's applicable to across the board. So I know you've got a broad range of listeners. So these, these concepts, they apply to sports coaches as much as they apply to performance practitioners and, and uh, SNC coaches. So if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about what we've done, then you can see that on my website, which would be www.yourcareer-blueprint.com. And my socials are at Career Blueprint on Instagram and at Coach Blueprint One. And then you can also find all this information through Dan, which is our website www.collaboratesports.com. And my socials Instagram is Collaborate underscore Sports and Howells Dan on Twitter. All on the website love it um and links I'll, I'll grab the links from you guys and i'll put them in the show notes and people can can just dive on straight in with that as well so um fellas yeah just leaves me to say thank you very much uh as always like a really really interesting chat and as i say just such an important area which has probably been overlooked for for so long so thank you for your work in this uh i'm going to round up the roundup uh to those listening we hope you enjoyed the episode thanks again to the guys for coming on and contributing to uh, an excellent discussion links as we just said to the content discussed are available in the blurb on rugby coach weekly as always i'd like to thank you for listening wish you all the best and go well 